Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hola, and welcome to a big interview from the vault. Look, all right, no fooling around. We asked our socios, our members, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to pick their favourite from season two of this long running and I have to say much loved show. You're about to hear one of the interviews they picked as the best from a selection which included international footballers representing Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Bulgaria, Argentina, England, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Here's what I had to say about this one when we recorded during season 2016-2017. Mark Noble is West Ham through and through, a true hammer forged in Canning Town, but In this big interview, you'll discover that his views on football and his own responsibilities in the game resonate far beyond the boundaries of East London. Mark's composed when put on the spot about his penalty prowess, which is hardly surprising for a player who scored two in an epic 13-12 shootout defeat by the Netherlands in the semi-finals of the Under-21 European Championships. That was in 2007 and Mr Noble relives it here. Painful but fun. He's now established as a Premier League player of excellence and captain of the club he's supported since he was a kid. Mark talks about what that role really means to him and the tactics that he employs to ensure that his teammates are at their best at training and on the pitch. You'll like that bit. Mark talks about that famous old ground, Upton Park, and the final game there against Manchester United under the lights and scripted by the good Lord above, I think. Mark has kept a photograph from that night, a picture of the West Ham fans looking on as he shields the ball to help see out the game. He remains connected to that support, his community. And one of the things I like best about the entire big interview series is Mark talking eloquently about the social housing projects being undertaken by the Legacy Foundation, which he started alongside two other London boys who've done good, Bobby Zamora and Rio Ferdinand. I found that part inspirational, and I'm not ashamed to say so. Mark is an ultra-good footballer, 
somebody who knows what the ball is for represents the values that make you and I love football and he's a good man too. This, in my view, has been a great big interview. You'll see. Enjoy. As anybody who's listened to the big interview will know, and you probably know, Mark, um, this series is meant to um, entertain those of us who take part in it and the listeners. And I will ever speak to people that I admire. Thank you. As a footballer, Mark Noble, um, West Ham legend, captain, all-round good guy, it's fabulous from my perspective watching how you play, what you think a footballer is for. Also, um, as somebody who grew up watching... Uh, one club legends like Alan McLeish and Willie Miller I hugely respect uh, your love and dedication to your club West Ham however I'm going to start with trivia Wednesday the 20th of June 2007 was the location for the longest penalty shootout in UEFA history your starter for 10 Mr Noble is which two teams took part in that shootout uh, England v Holland Yes that's right for one point yeah. <laughs> Of the 25 penalties Scored Was that how many it was 25? Wow <laughs> How many did you score? Uh, two Yes Right again yeah. Okay we're now going to move on to the Now pi- you're going to ask me whether I cried after aren't you Now into the picture round Now I think it gives me an excuse I've seen you um, taking penalties I've seen people asking you about penalties and you very often give a quite non-committal um, reply. What fascinates us, and we've talked to Guy Scamendietta, who was just a robot about scoring penalties at the top level, mm. Champions League final included. And we also talked to um, other players who found it easy. Matt Letizia said, it's the easiest chance all game I was ever going to get yeah. to score. Felt no nerves, only missed once. Do you remember the build-up in that tournament in 2007, which is the European Championship for under-21s, and you're there with an England team that's full of good players and it's coached by Stuart Pearce. Stuart made you all practice quite a lot, didn't he? Yeah. Penalties. Take us back to that, the, the build-up. To be honest, Graham, it was, it, was, it was a mad, mad year for me because we played for West Ham. Everyone kept saying to me, you keep playing like this, you're going to get in that 21s Euro squad. And I was... Do you know, you look at someone like they're mad. Yeah, and I, I got the call one day, and it, we had a training camp in Valencia. And I'll never forget, I turned up, I was so nervous, because there was a, the players were established Premier League players, not just played a few games. There were a lot of players that played a lot of games in the Premier League, and I was nervous, of course. And I got there, I knew a few of the boys from West Ham, Anton and Ria, uh, Ria Coca, and so I went. And I'm really honest with you, I, I, I laid in my room and I thought... I'm just going to use this as experience. Do you know what I mean? And I, but I, kn- I knew deep down in the back of my head, I thought, I know I can handle me. I know I can hold my own. That's mm. for sure because I've been playing in the Premier League this season. But I really, really thought that if I trained well, I might have a chance. And for that four-day training camp, it's, I think it's the best I've ever trained. You know, you, it's like adrenaline that you do things, and even after you do them, you think, "What's happening now?" Like I just. Uh, play the pass or so you, you leave the training camp and I think you get a letter 10 days later or whatever it is or the next couple of days I can't remember the full I got a letter and I was I was in the in the squad to go and I was like Whoa, buzzing couldn't believe it <sighs> turned up at the tournament Stuart Pierce after training every day stood there with a notepad 
every single player took mm-hmm. a penalty, and he and he went. Uh, so it'd be like Mark scored, James Milner scored, uh, Tom Huddleston scored. Went down the line, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Obviously, he's not knowing that in a couple of weeks' time, every single player is going to have to take like penalties. So he's got his top five. I didn't miss one in the training in, in the training sessions, and it was hard because obviously you're taking against the, the same goalies every every day. Do you know what I mean? So obviously, who are Scott Carson, at least. Joe Hart, Joe Gosh, yeah, Joe Hart, and obviously you know Joe's character. He's like out bouncing. I don't know what way you're going, and he's not shy. No, <laughs> so I, I, I didn't miss um, a few of us. I don't, I don't think James Milner missed. So yeah, we uh, it come to the stage, and the worst thing for me was I got booked in that game, so I was going to miss the final anyway. And I remember after the. The final whistle, uh, Stuart Pearce pulled me, and I was obviously devastated um, because I was sub. Sorry, the first group game I was sub, and we didn't play that well. And, he, and, and Stuart didn't tell me anything. We trained during, trained the next day. The boys had a warm down who played. Uh, we was playing Italy, so I'm <laughs> come down with my soap bag, sitting there in the team meeting, like bang names on the board. I'm playing, yeah, buzzing. We we drew to all, but we should have won. I set up one of uh, Kasiragi. Gigi Kasiragi is the coach, and it's, yeah, it's and a team. Zola, I think Zola was his assistant, wasn't he? Jamie Shakilini's playing as well. Yeah, there was a few. There was a few Four, top yeah. top players. Yeah, playing. yeah. I set up one of the goals, and we we uh, we drew to all. Played really well. We, then we beat Serbia, I think. Anyway, so yeah, standing there in the queue, Holland. The game's over. I go up first, or I think it's me or me. I got first. Bang, score. As you know, it keep going, keep going, and then. Anton Ferdinand had missed one in the FA Cup final, I think, a couple of weeks or months before, or the year before, or something like that. And when you were at Hull, is that right? Yes, I was, at, I was on loan. You were on loan? No, no, that's a lie. I'd come back, I travelled with the squad. you back. I'm yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, got a really, yeah. I, I actually done that on the way up there, but that's another story. So when I come back, uh, Pards took me to travel with the team, had all the occasion, all that, and Anton missed, obviously. He'd scored, he, he'd scored against uh, their goalkeeper, come back, I remember him going to me, Yes, nose. The FA Cup's out of my head. High five in me. <laughs> it's gone. It's done. And I'm standing there, and obviously everyone scored, scored, goal, goal. And I looked at him. I went, and we might have to take another one here, you know. And he's like, Nah, no chance. So I mean, going through it, um, I mean, Ashley Young scores, James Milner scores, Ryan Babble for them, Drenta misses, you score. But you know, we're going to come back to this in a minute. Scott Carson gets up there and takes one and scores. Yeah. Um, on it goes to the extent that Ashley Young scores again James Miller scores Mark Noble scores Justin Hoyt scores Matt Derbyshire misses and then Anton misses mm. Daniel De Ritter misses there's 32 attempts unbelievable 32 attempts it was unbelievable it's one of the great experiences ever and do you know what the funniest thing is I went on holiday with she wasn't my wife then but she is now um, after that and I was walking down a strip in Pretaris uh, in Cyprus and it was incredible how many people commented on that game and obviously after it's, it's, it's shown that I was sobbing in bits crying and all that stuff and it's really weird because obviously I was playing for West Ham at the time but I had like big northerners come up to me and give me a cuddle and <laughs> saying how lucky lad like do you know what I mean we was all with you so they must have been watching it in the bars out there it was in it was uh, yeah it was incredible incredible couple of months it's not something I want to dwell on the fact that I, I think England managers have regularly made a mistake by not valuing your football intelligence your passing how you win the ball but you've had a really really big career at representational level three finals certainly a final in um, the under 19s yeah yeah a final against Germany yeah. in the 21s mm. that was a semi-final that we were talking about um, 
what, what have you... One of the things that Stuart Pearce said about that time was that he'd played in senior England teams where nobody knew who the penalty taker was and nobody had practised it. And I want to come back... You lost that one. But, you know, 32 takes. England competed well enough that it's a 13-12 defeat. Yep. Practising penalties, my perspective, although I hear leading pros saying don't practice them because the atmosphere makes a difference well, that's rubbish the more you practice something the better you get at it do you know what I right. did at first Graham I did when I was a little bit younger I used to uh, I scored a couple I think we had we had one at Birmingham years ago and we got a penalty and um, I think Kieran Dyer and Craig Bellamy on the pitch and, and no one really no one knew what a penalty taker was and no one really I would get, I'll have it like I just thought, as you said, as uh, Letitia said, it's like another chance to score. Do you know what I mean? And so I thought, yeah, I'll take it. Scored, and it sort of gave me a buzz, you know, because I'm, I'm, uh, I'd be the first person to say I'm not uh, the greatest open play goal scorer. I, I probably score three or four a season. Seven last season. Wasn't yeah, it? seven last season, but a few pennies as well. But you still got to score them, as I keep saying to everyone. And I thought, yeah, and, and, and do you know what it was? I really do think this, and I've said this in the press, and I do mean it. I honestly think to myself. There is a lot worse things going on in the world mm. than taking a penalty. I know you can miss, and a lot of players are scared to miss, but it's never really fussed me. I just thought I could be in Afghanistan, Iraq, getting bullets whizzing past my ass. I've got a chance to score in the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? Why would I not want to take a penalty? And that's how I've always thought. Penalties are a little microcosm of accepting the challenge of representing the club that you love and feeling the responsibility and the pressure. Captaincy. What are your thoughts on captaincy? What's it for? It's, it's funny you ask that because I was speaking to my dad the other day. I ring my dad every day on the way to training, 9.30 uh, or 9 o'clock. We have a 10-minute chat. I normally ring him on the way home as well, see what he's been up to and stuff. And we talk about football. And he said to me about a year ago, he said, Mark, you used to walk in from school with a West Ham backpack and a, a West Ham folder with my work in that I got Jeff Hurst to sign outside the stadium right, once, you know? Right. Obviously, we used to walk to the games and from, from my house. And he said, you've just probably captained West Ham through two of the most historical seasons in the club's history. Leaving Upton Park and having what our generation of fans are saying is the best team and year we've ever had through excitement and everything. And then leading them into this new stadium, which is going to be there way past all of us. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I, I never really thought of it like that. And I just and he said, to, for a local boy that grew up supporting West Ham to be able to wear the armband and lead your team out at them games. And don't he said, don't forget, you could have got injured and missed them games. You could have missed leading the team out. You could have got suspended, but you was there and you you led that team into the, out the old stadium into the new. And, and he said, like, no one will ever take that away from you. Chris Burns in Manchester touched on this theme, and I know that Neil's really keen on talking about captaincy too. Chris says, leadership is something that I think is drizzling out of society and out of football as well. And he says about you, how would you describe your leadership style? And what does a leader on the pitch need to have, especially in this time when there might be three or four languages in the same starting eleven? For one, football is only one language, and that is football. Because everyone knows if you ain't working hard enough, or if you ain't don't quite fancy it on the day. And a leadership for me, which is or I've always done all my career, was training and playing to my absolute maximum. Like I'd never I'd never really come in and think, oh, I don't fancy it today. Or if I have felt like that, I've got a little knock, I think, 
I'll quickly tell myself, right, I'm going to have a go today. Even if I just run about and make a tackle and try and get the lads going. Because there's a lot of times you come in training and you think, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't up to scratch today. Like the training... Intensity. As in the intensity, yeah. It ain't... A few of the lads might have been out or might be a bit tired from... We've had an hard game. So you clatter into someone. Normally I pick on someone really like who I know is going to have a go back. So for instance, I'll have a go at Ginge or I'll start an argument with, with Andy. Ginge, do people let me with Mr. Tompkins? Uh, no, Ginger's in James Collins. James Collins? Big ginger beard. Big okay. scary fella. Ginger, we should, well, so I shouldn't, if I see him, I shouldn't call him Ginge. No, he'd yeah, be happy with that. I think his right. wife calls him Ginge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, sometimes it's, you, you have to be clever with it. So I know training ain't quite up to it. And, and then he'd, shout, he'd have a go back at me and the other lads would look and think, oh, it's serious, do you know it's what I mean? On. Yeah, it's not like... It's, That's a contagious feeling then. If, if, if Exactly. It's okay. 100% because I, I've, 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 played in, I've been with players before and I've seen them charge around and training. I think, God, yeah, I fancy a bit of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just the way it is and I've always... I've always tried to lead by example, as in play at 100%, give everything. And look, I don't care what anyone says. No one's going to be a 10 out of 10 every game. You're going to have bad games yeah. through the season. Um, so if you, but if you work hard, especially West Ham fans, they'll, they'll, they'll let you off. Do you know what I mean? Because if you give 100%, um, and whenever we sign players here, yeah, just say, listen... Just give everything. Mm. If you give everything, you'll be fine. Do you talk to the players? Do you, I mean, does it depend on each manager or how you're feeling about your own confidence? But as your captain, pre a match, on the pitch, half time, do you think about what you say? Do you, do you try to say less? Because uh, sometimes players yeah, aren't taking yeah, it yeah, in. Exactly. Uh, you sort of figure out after uh, when you play with the boys, you know, there's some characters that you couldn't shout them. You couldn't have a guy at half time because they'd go into a shell. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or there's some that you, you realise that some people listen to this. Mm-hmm. Let I mean, we've seen that, but won't understand that because they, they think they're dealing because they're on the television. They're highly paid, mm-hmm. but they're robots. But in actual fact, they're human beings. You've got feelings, and sometimes you you can't. Well, especially me, I can't help showing them. And if I don't think someone's pulling their weight during the game, and I'll tell them during the game, or I'll tell them at half time, or. But you, you, sometimes you have to be clever because some, some players d- don't respond well to be shattered at. So what you do is you wait until the manager to say, you go over, say, come on, Giz, do you know what I mean? We need you today. But one-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one, yeah. You, we need you today. You're, you're important for us. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Little change of tack. Um, if you're up for it, I'm really quite interested in Canning Town. You grew up there. How would you describe it? What's it like? And can I ask us? I'm going to go out on a limb. Go on, ask what you want. What, what does the Thames mean to you? What does the river mean to you? Uh, I say that because well, I've, I, I used to swim adore in it. it. Yeah, I used to swim in it. Not quite probably where you adore it, but <laughs> you probably adore it where the London Eye is and stuff. But No, man, no. Travelling up and down it, hearing the stories, yeah. looking at the old docks, imagining... What, the freight that river's carried, how it kept the country alive during the war. The Thames is a character in my life. We lived in a house in a place called Jenkins Road. Behind us was a, uh, like a, I think it was a university or something, like a, a field. Mm. So what my dad done was, he got a geese around from work, and our back garden, we had a fence, and then behind our fence was like a, you know, the strong iron railings with the spikes on top, so yeah, you couldn't get yeah, over there. Yeah. So obviously, at first, I used to get on top of our shed, do you know what I mean? Or put a lump of wood and jump over and uh, constantly hurt ourselves. So he had the fella come round and the fella cut a, a little gate at the bottom of our fence, put a couple of hinges on it, and then undone the screws in the metal fence so we could get through our gate, slide <laughs> the gates for it and get through and play footy. Private gate in yeah, the fence. So I used to be out there till like my mum used to shout, Mark! And it was dark at the time, do you know what I mean? So you didn't answer back, so you didn't want to go in. And we used to play there for hours, hours and hours and hours. And um, when they used to cut the grass, we used to make little five-side pitches out of the dead grass, you know, with the goals. And really? Pucker it was. There was probably six, seven boys my age in that, in that road. And you can imagine it was carnage. Do you know what I mean? There was balls going through windows. And in the, obviously in the summer, one, me and one, one of my good mates, we, we used to, uh, we, we got this, I don't know where we got this, but it was a, a, a double... Do you know when you both sit on it and you ride at the same time? So we used to, we used to ride to the Thames, cut the fishing rods over our shoulders, oh, yeah. a pair of swimming shorts, and go fishing, jump in the river. Do you know what I mean? You th- I look Just back nick now. into the river and swim? Yeah, jump off the bridges. It, it moves a little. Oh, jump off the bridges. Yeah. New duty. Yeah, it was, I mean, at that, at that time, it was like, it's a thing to do, you know what I mean? Just, but did you, I mean, this might sound a bit stupid, it might sound like your mum or your dad here, but did you wait until the tide was a bit lower or did you yeah, get in there? To be honest, at the end where we used to do it, right at the bottom near like where Beckton was and that, it wasn't fast. I mean, you could jump in and we used to, we used to imagine that like somehow get a little rubber dinghy, you know, like the little boats, pump it up, blow it up and just sit on the tents of one of them. <laughs> just 
<laughs> but it's good. I'm the weirdo in this conversation. That sounds like absolute heaven. Yeah, no, it was I right. Even, I don't even sit there. It was me and you. I'd be going like, do you know what Henry Ape did this once? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, just what it means to me. You know what I mean? Just flip, flop the rod over the side. Did you ever catch anything? Do you know what? Once we, I was, we caught, we had some, something really big. I love fishing anyway. I yeah, fish me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we had something really big, but my mate's brother was coming with a net. We only had a rod and whatever. The tide was out a bit, so the, the ledge was really high, so we yeah. couldn't just whip it up. It was too yeah. The rod was bent over, and we had it on for about 25 minutes, and we're ringing uh, my mate's brother. Hurry up, get the car here, we've got something. After 20 minutes, it snapped off. We never <sighs> see it. It's gutted. But, but, so what do you imagine it was? I think I must have been a, or, I must have been, yeah, or a carp. Or, we didn't have like a wire tray, so a pipe would have probably just snapped it to bits yeah, it must right. have been a carp or something I don't know I ain't got a clue but um, it was yeah it was great never see the fish but it's, it felt big <laughs> the Thames is something that I think is really special and if you're talking about a sense of uh, community like that you know it, it strikes me as it helps me understand what West Ham has, has meant to you you know that if you grow up in the community everybody probably plays together shares together follows the club together and now you're the captain mm. I can understand what your dad's saying to you when he phones you Hmm. which takes you to how clear are your memories of the last game at no let, let me ask what, what's this bullying ground so I grew up like I'm old now hmm. so I remember falling in love with the old strip when Harry was playing Clyde Best was playing I thought he was brilliant hmm. and then um, it was Upton Park then it's only the last couple of seasons it's all this what's this bullying ground I don't know I, used to, I used to quit Upton Park that's the truth and then the same thing. I sort of, sort of started calling it the bowling. I think it was just the, the, the history of what it was, and we're leaving. Yeah. So that I think we sort of tried to bring that back, the history and all that. Um, my kids, uh, my two kids now, they they call it the bowling. They say, oh, there's it's the last bowling. three, four years. It's yeah, it's I crazy. thought I've been an idiot all the years. The cool people have always been calling it the bowling ground, but nah, you nah. grew up in Upton Park. Upton Park, yeah. 100%, yeah, it's up to part. And then, uh, as you say, the last three or four years, we sort of, was everyone knew we was moving, so it was like, let's sort of bring a bit of history back, and it's, it's the bowling. And I mean, last year for me, the bowling was uh, obviously the last game against United. I had my testimonial there, which was a sellout. Just phenomenal last year there. I do remember Fergie, when, I don't know if this was when you were already a junior player or just a fan, but I remember Alex Ferguson is somebody who's career has shaped mine I grew up in Aberdeen he came to our club yeah. watching him his attitude and his aggression shaped my attitude to what was possible therefore I'm not a Manchester United fan at all but I followed him and I remember him growling about West Ham midweek under the lights yeah, you didn't want to go it. It. the time when West Ham fought like Tigers against United to make sure that they, well that did make sure that they didn't win the title because yeah. they couldn't get the win and Blackburn win the title and whatever could there have been a better rival for the last game than Manchester United? It was, it, was, it was mad how it turned out. Honestly, it was midweek game against United. I think we, we didn't play them because they was in the cup or, the, or vice versa. And then we played them a couple of weeks before in the FA in one of the cups and we lost. Um, and uh, do you know one of them games where we actually really believed we was going to win? And Man United played really well that night. It's the, that they, they was really good on the, in the cup game. And that, and I said in my speech on the pitch after the, the the last game, it was it was written in the stars that night. It yeah. honestly was. It was. We was an hour to get from the hotel in Canary Wharf to where we was, to the ground. 
and an hour because of the, 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 the clamour all yeah, around it. Like the whole of the whole of uh, Barking Road was blocked, and to get down to the ground was mad. We was watching the lads were buzzing on the coach because there's footballs being booted about, and people were hitting balls, and there was hitting balls people on the head because they weren't looking, and it was brilliant. Um, <laughs> throwing beer everywhere, and it, it was just like a really amazing atmosphere. And, so you're ready to go out and warm up, and then you you can't. It's delayed, so you have to sit back down. And yeah, and then when that when when Reedy scored that header, I just it's one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. Honestly, you do one down. Marshall's got a couple. Mm. Having been in, you, you're in the lead. Yeah, I think um, Mikhail gets there. Mikhail scores the a header. two-two. Yep, and then what have you got? What's, what's can you remember the moment? I remember. I remember. I was running towards the box just to get on the edge of the box, really, because the cross come in. I think Dimmy crossed it, or stand on the edge. Obviously, really won the header. I remember De Gea. I'm looking at him, thinking, "Oh, you're going to save it," and he gets a touch, but it goes in, and I just, just run, just run and celebrated on my own, just like my kids and the Carly and the family and dad and everyone. Did you see them? Yeah, you could see them. So I had the box up in the corner and. It just went absolutely mental. The place just erupted. The loudest noise I think I've ever heard. Yeah, and I've got a photo indoors of um, it was the last minute or something, and I'm I'm in the bottom corner, and you can see like the claret and blue stripe because everyone had claret and blue t-shirts on the whole game, and I'm shielding the ball from Wayne Rooney in the corner to just waste time. It's a it's a unbelievable photo that you can see the whole of the Bobby Moore standing claret and blue, and I'm shielding the ball like towards the end of the game it's incredible I don't know if you ever watched Frank McAvenny play could play a little bit yeah 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 of um, course cool. before last season maybe that was West Ham's best season since yeah. I don't know 60s um, he, he, the podcast we did with him Russell Brand had listened to and enjoyed mm. so he'd heard me ranting on about Alan Devonshire how much of a player I thought he was I thought he was yeah. fabulous he sent a little selfie of, of the three of them and I can't remember who else as well um, just grinning at the camera and it made me think that night was like there was a lot of distractions that night because you're a real celebrity club, mm. you know. There's famous people yeah, there. Yeah, there was there. everywhere. Yeah. Backstage, it must have. There must have been everywhere. Kind of. Yeah. I don't know if that adds to the distractions or the pressure, or if it makes the celebrations at the end sweeter still. When you see these mm. celebrity fans, does it matter having that? Around? Do you know what? It was the the whole season was mental. I mean, I was getting twenty five tickets a game just because people wanted to be there and we were playing so well and we was, the goals at home we were scoring and we was losing 2-0 and come back do you know what I mean it was just like everything was just everyone just wanted to be there and then yeah and then we, you was obviously everyone wants to be a part of something that's quite successful yeah. or, or going well that's that's facts you know what I mean you want to come and you want to see us play and so uh, James Corden is a good friend of mine Russell Brand as well they They'd come in to the change room and say hello to the boys. And I think it was just a fantastic year all round for the club. And to be honest, we, we give it the send-off that it probably deserved. The three little sections to close. First, um, we're all really impressed, but also fascinated by the Legacy Foundation. Yeah. I mean, it's a fabulous idea, um, certainly for our sort of social beliefs. Mm. It's pretty rare for footballers to bond together with that aim how, how would you explain what the objectives of it and, and where did it come from well I think Rio and Bobby Zamora used to travel to QPR together in, in a car Rio had met this guy who's our partner now and he, he said uh, uh, Rio was explaining something to him and he said right let's, let's, let's build a team of Bobby who wants to be involved and then Bobby rang me he said look Mark me and Rio are doing this 
um, let's meet up and talk about it. This was eight, This was two years ago. So I said, yeah, fine. Bobby's obviously a good friend of mine. I didn't. Yeah. Re- I knew Rio, but I didn't know him so well. We sat down, and to be honest, it it started. How can we? How can we help social housing? Because in Newham, well, I say Newham, but in many, many, well, nearly all of London boroughs, there's a waiting list of ten years to get a house, a social house. Social housing might apply to those who deserve to have a safe well-preserved family environment but maybe don't have the means the financial exactly. means to get it yes so for instance i moved six or seven times in east london when i was a kid bobby lived in east london rio was south london as you know so we all we all got brought up in sort of social housing council estates and we knew what it was like so our first the main thing we had was we couldn't s- s- not sell it but we couldn't push this forward and uh, and have someone say well what do you know Never, you never got brought up in it. You don't know what it's like. Yeah, we do. We, we all went through it. You know what I mean? Um, so we had that all in common. We get on great together, mm. and we all had a really, really. You turn up to an astroturf in Beckton like I'll do every now and then, and you spend an hour with the kids. Don't really make a lot of difference. They love it while you're there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking not on the legacy thing, but no. So we we come up with every one of our schemes that we do. We want a whether it's a primary school. A foundation, as in all sports, not just football, uh, a chance where kids can go and learn and play sport and and become part of sort of a community. You know where you have community leaders, and through the the building of the uh, accommodation, we will subsidise the uh, legacy foundation, a crash so single parents can go to work. And uh, and yeah, that's our idea. In in two years, we have come a, a long, long way, and we've uh, sat down with probably the top politicians uh, in this game in, in the country. People have always asked, was there a chance of you playing for Ireland? Yeah. My nan and granddad are full Irish. So my mum, she wasn't born in Ireland, but she's bloodline, she's full Irish. Yeah. You listen to a speech, you don't sound Irish one bit. She's <laughs> as cockney as they come. But, but Graham, to be honest, and the, when I, I played, as you say, under 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21s and all that, I... And I, I knew how much it meant to me to play for England. Do you know mm. what I mean? The 21s, I always turned up, always loved playing and all that stuff. So, obviously, I never got a, uh, I've never got a senior cap. But it's just the way I'm thinking. Please tell me if you disagree that there is young Irish kids playing well mm. that deserve and would appreciate an Irish cap more than I would. Because maybe if I got into an Irish islands, uh, an island squad and... If I've got, I, I love Irish people. Half my family are Irish. They come over and take mm. over this. And but for me personally, I always dreamed of playing for England mm-hmm. from a kid because I played all the age groups and went to tournaments and sang the national anthem mm. every time I played. So for me to turn up to play for Ireland and not it, it wasn't a dream of mine. But there's an Irish kid out there that might miss a place because I go. And it's their dream to play for Ireland. That, that, that's my reason. Lay off the hook with, I hope I'm picking on a good character here, but a player who's always fascinated me, you played with who I think was helpful to you, Teddy Sheringham. Mm. Um, one of the footballers who's intelligent and movement and achievements I admire most. Am I right in thinking that um, as you were developing or learning, you watched and learned from him, was he helpful to you? Incredibly. He... He came to my wedding. I went to his in the summer in Portugal. 
I'll never forget, he said to me once, we, I was young, I was really young when he came to West Ham and I sort of, I was brought over to train with him and uh, we were doing some drill. The first time I'd met him, we were doing some drill and, it, and it, as I was walking off, I was really good in the training session. I was walking off and he said, oh. he said, what's your name? I said, I'm oh, Mark. He said, I've oh, got a chance, you keep working. Do you know what I mean? You've got a chance to play. I've seen you, I've watched you, whatever. Funny enough, later on in that season, we were playing in the team together in the, uh, under parts uh, for West Ham. And we come become really good friends and used to laugh and joke a lot. And I, I was a young, so I was cheeky and they found it quite funny. I wasn't disrespectful or rude, but we had a good laugh. That season where we stayed up under Kirbishley, mm-hmm. when we went on that great escape and there was, uh, you, we, I couldn't do anything wrong. Every time I played, I was I played out of my skin. And, and you know when you're buzzing and he said, Mark, he said, he said, Mark, when you're enjoying it, really enjoy it because... Or when, or when it's going well, enjoy it because it's not often it goes well. Hmm. And that was someone that's played in the Champions League, yeah. someone that played for United um, and scored many goals in his career that probably feels the same way that a lot of players do, that you can't really enjoy it until Saturday afternoon's over and you've won. Until you've won on a Saturday afternoon, the week leading up to the game, you always think about we have to win. And it becomes a bit, for me anyway, it becomes a bit obsessive that I'll be out on a Wednesday night with Carly and we'll be sitting over dinner and we'll be playing whatever it was, Crystal Palace this week where it was a massive game and if we win, we're 10 points ahead of them and that, or if they win, we're only four or whatever. And all you can think about is we've got to win Saturday. Do you know what I mean? So until you get that, that win on a Saturday... And you've got Sunday off, and then it starts again Monday. He said, when it's going well like that, and you're in that, he said, really enjoy it, because it's not many times that it does, and it's been one of the truest things that someone's ever said to me, because I love football, and I love watching football, and I love uh, what footballs give me, but it's very, very hard to enjoy it if you're not winning football games. You talk like you play, Mark. It's, it's, um, it's a pleasure. There are very few people who dominate their subject and like you do with the football um, I hope that if West Ham ever um, let you go it's to La Liga <laughs> um, having turned down Ireland um, I can tell you formally Scotland won't you <laughs> anytime you're free yeah. just the odd game here or there if you want <laughs> but an absolute fantastic pleasure West Ham are a very lucky club uh, you've joined the big interview and we've loved it thank you pleasure Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true. Graham Hunter and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. 
Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.